Welcome back, everybody, to The Choir Room, a Glee recap podcast, where we are here today to discuss episode two of season one, titled Showmance. Uh, I am your host, or one of your hosts, Matt, and I'm here, of course, with Aman. Aman, how are you doing today? I am great. Excited to talk about this very sexy episode today. Yes, that's exactly the word uh, that that we would use, that Rachel would use. Uh, but if you said that around Will, and if he's listening right now, he will have a shutdown uh, faster than Sue would. So, uh, yeah, pr- pretty crazy episode. Uh, a lot, a lot to unpack here with uh, you know the evolution of a lot of these storylines that we're learning more about each and each and every moment uh, that we unpack these early episodes here uh main main takeaways and anything that stood out to you the most from the episode that you want to start with um i just uh the performance in general was something that i had forgotten about and i guess this is sort of like when we start to see sue start to really fall into her own and when whoever is uh writing most of the lines for sue is starting to hit their stride because she gets a lot of uh a lot of a lot of my favorite quotes ever from sue are in this episode so yeah, we're uh, we're we're starting to hit we're starting to hit some some good stuff here with Glee. Yeah, we're learning you know a lot more about each one of the characters. Sue, especially, you know, we saw in the first episode she was there, but she wasn't really uh, Sue Sylvester just yet. But now we uh, we're full inside the uh, the offices of Figgins and inside Sue's office, and we're getting an insight into uh, just how scary Sue can be and just how scared she might be of this potential new uh, club that's that's forming the Glee Club and uh, and the threat that it could be on uh, on her Cheerios here so that's that's what we have going on here with this episode um, we do like I said we get into a little bit more about each of the characters but specifically Will uh, a lot of season one is going to be about Will and uh, his personal life and how he plays into all of the uh, happenings with the Glee Club and Will has a lot going on at home right now with his wife Terry and and uh, we saw last episode that Terry told him that she is pregnant, and uh, that uh, that did uh, get a little crazier this episode. With pregnancy comes hormones, and with hormones comes erratic behavior, and with erratic behavior comes erratic decisions. And towards the end of this episode, we'll find out what all of that means. Uh, but for right now, uh, her new project right now is just making sure that they have a brand new home to bring that baby home in. And she'll stop at nothing to get exactly what she wants. And of course, she's backed up by her equally, if not more, neurotic uh, sister, uh, pretty much bolstering up all of the uh, opinions that she already had about the life that she wants to lead. So, yeah, yeah Terry is a uh, Terry's also ramping up and becoming Terry Schuster in yeah. this episode. Yeah, so uh, back back at the school, we have uh, we open up the episode where the new directions all seem to be as happy as possible. Uh, by the way, we didn't talk about this in the first episode, and we have to bring it up here because I don't know when uh, when else it might come up. But uh, we the the fact that New Directions is named this, um, I mean, it's pretty obvious if you kind of slow down when you're talking. What else you could get out of the phrase New Directions? Um, why did this happen? What do you mean? If you if you take new directions and say it a little slower, and you get nude erections, um, it's... wait a second! Wait, 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 wait! I have never, in my almost ten years of being a Glee fan, have never, ever, ever heard that pun until now, and now everything is ruined for me. Ruined. You have ruined this for me. What I mean, the hell? I guess that's why we're here to uh, to expose even the biggest of Glee fans to uh, to some new things that they might not have even thought about before. But yeah, this is like a thing. This is uh, the people people some people out there I know on like subreddits and whatnot uh, don't even call it new directions. They just call it new directions at all, at all times. And I don't know if I'm gonna say it again. Oh my god! I was so disappointed in myself for never having caught on to that. That's hilarious. So, that is I mean, 
when you leave uh, Will Schuster in charge of things, obviously Rachel's not happy with the way that uh, Will's going to be running this club, but already I'm very upset with Will for naming it uh, that. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, I guess for this episode in particular, it's a very apropos name. It so. is. It, it certainly is. So like I said, the uh, the new directions here are very happy. Life seems to be pretty good now that they're all together. Will has decided he's staying. His car is not any better. He can't afford a new muffler, but he can afford a new license plate that says Glee on it. So yeah, that, we see that, where his priorities are. Definitely a gift from Terry uh, back at home who just totally supports his dreams uh, that she <laughs> went ahead and got him that license plate. Uh, yeah, so everybody's all happy. Uh, you know, Kurt uh, and Mercedes and, and all of them. They they somehow, uh, no, not, not Kurt, actually. Everybody besides Kurt seems to be doing well uh, because as uh, Mr. Shoe walks past, uh, Kurt is getting thrown into a dumpster by the football team who, of course, make their appearance here. And uh, Kurt makes a line to them about how they're all going to work for him in the future. And, uh, I mean, Kurt is... I guess I'll talk about this now because he also isn't a huge player in this episode. Kurt is not really Kurt just yet. He's uh, very much a caricature of himself. He's just this this walking stereotype, um, and nothing about Kurt in these early episodes is going to be like something that plays true into who he actually is once we really get to know him. Yeah, no, not at all. He's clearly just uh, being set up right now, um, but I. I thought it was interesting that, I've, well, I guess not that interesting, but Finn was not present for this dumpster dive this time around. Um, and you would think that Kurt would at least try and say, like, hey, Finn, they're still throwing me in the dumpster. Like, can you do anything about that? I thought you were, like, Team Glee. And more so, what the hell is Mr. Shu thinking? Like, you just think that Puck has his arm casually around the, the only gay kid in the school, the entire football team is surrounding the gay kid in the school next to that nasty-ass dumpster, and you're like, hey, good morning, Kurt, like, and that's it, like... Yeah, I mean, Shu literally me. walks past him, and he's like, oh, go Titans, like, just pretending like the whole world loves him, and, and he's best friends with everybody, but that's uh, that's the awkward, awkward Mr. Schuster for you. We have, everybody seems to be all happy uh, together, and we have the uh, Glee rehearsal that is going on in the choir room, which is where we are. And uh, we're watching our first actual rehearsal uh, in the choir room. Or no, they they did sit down. We're rocking the boat. Uh, you're rocking the boat. But this it feels like the first one where everybody's all gelled together. Uh, Finn wasn't there last time, and they're singing uh, "La Freak," where not a single one of them seems to be enjoying themselves. And uh, it's it's going to be a main source of contention as we get started here. Mr. Shu is just uh, he's stuck in the past. He cannot get out of the '70s fever dream of of freaking disco and i mean I, you know what actually screw those kids because disco is good okay I, I, a lot of people like to uh attribute disco um to like country it's like one of the two most hated musical genres and i'm like y'all are out your minds disco if it weren't for disco we wouldn't have half the shit that we listen to today so put some respect on her name I'm actually team team uh, Will Schuster on this one right now. I mean, I can agree with you in general, uh, but uh, this club just came together and they want to do something that's like shows the school who they are and and you know what they're here for and how fun this can be. Uh, and this is all you know they're setting this up because they're going to be performing something at an assembly uh, where they're going to be trying to recruit more members of Glee because as Sue flags up to Will, uh, we need, you know, you guys need more members. You need to have at least 12 people to perform at regionals. Uh, you can't have anything less than that. And right now you have six. And Will's like, don't worry, we'll, we'll get there and we'll have people and we're going to uh, blow you guys away. We're going to do it all. So they're preparing this number with intentions to draw people in and it's a disco number. While So while, while I do agree with you, I feel like Rachel's probably right here and all of them are right that uh, they should do something a little bit more modern. I mean, sure. I I, I I can definitely understand that. I just think I have like a soft spot in my heart for some disco. I feel I feel you. Uh, luckily, Will does come around uh, a little bit later on, and he's going to bring in a number that is uh, definitely more modern and something that he is sure that everybody's going to be uh, so down with. Yeah, so who... I guess he wants Finn to take the solo on this one, but he just sort of, like, showed him the ropes. And, I mean, <laughs> Mr. Shu uh, rapping to Kanye has always been something that's made me cringe. I mean, I think that most uh, older white gentlemen <laughs> doing rap, especially with a bunch of teenagers, has always been going to be something that makes me cringe. I mean, he definitely... Uh, at least he was on rhythm, but I thought it was so interesting that he was trying to give that solo to Mr. or to, to, to Finn when Finn can hardly even dance. I would have thought definitely Artie because you don't have to worry too much about Artie dancing and Artie definitely has some fucking rhythm. So that was definitely a casting decision that was a 
that had me side eye uh, shoe. But yeah, and, and fact, uh, Mercedes sounded song. wonderful on it, though. Sorry. Yeah, he starts the song by by he's like, "Oh, Mercedes, you know this one, right? What else?" But I mean, she kills it. She does kill it. <laughs> she does kill it. She sounds really good. She got she's got the 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 rasp and the the Ray Charles because that's um, the song is uh, Gold Digger by Kanye West, which samples uh, uh, Ray Charles in there, and she's definitely got that Ray Charles rasp down to a T. So. Once again, all the props to Miss Amber Riley. She's she's an amazing, amazing vocalist. And and none of the props to uh, Schuster in this performance for uh, for making this happen. And what the fuck was he wearing? He had like jeans on and a t-shirt. Like that's not what you're supposed to be wearing to school. Where are the vests? Like, and the fact that like the second he takes his jacket off and the whole Glee Club is like, oh, like what? I mean, he's not wearing a typical teacher outfit. Like usually teachers will wear, you know, a nice shirt buttoned up or something like that. And he comes out in a t-shirt. So I guess uh, they're a little shocked to see a teacher dressed like this, which, yeah, I mean, I don't know why hosting the Glee Club gives you permission to dress like you are one of the Glee kids. I mean, I definitely still uh, (laughs) have this thing in my mind where I don't see a lot of the teachers that I had as children as actual human beings that have lives outside of the school. So every time I... To this day, if I were to see one of my teachers that I'd had in middle school, high school, and they were just dressed down, it'd be like, oh, this person is, like, real and shit. You have hopes and dreams and aspirations outside of your job, if your job, so yeah, I get it. Ter- terrible sight. Nothing you wanted to see when you were uh, a high school kid. You didn't want to believe that that these people had real lives or anything like that. Uh, but then the ones that you, like, were friends with, it was always like, oh, this is so cool. Like, I'm friendly with this person. Like, maybe they'll add me on Facebook after the school year. Like, so, such a I'm weird... <laughs> definitely friends with a bunch of uh, teachers on Facebook, and it's both cool and very weird at the same time. It never really, uh, I never stopped feeling that way. So we are back here at the, uh, so these Glee, these Glee kids are, you know, getting to know each other very well, but there's some stuff going on with, uh, Rachel and Finn that it seems like there's some obvious chemistry here, but the problem is that, uh, Finn is obviously still with his girlfriend, uh, Quinn Fabray, who is the head of the Cheerios. Uh, she is not happy with the way that things are playing out here. And by the end of the episode, we're going to see that Quinn and Santana and Brittany, who Brittany makes her debut in this episode, uh, are going to try out and of course make it onto the Glee Club because Will will take anybody who auditions at this point. But of course these girls, you know, kill it with their, uh, say a little prayer audition and uh you know we'll get to a little bit more about that later but uh the problem here is that quinn and rachel are not going to see eye to eye of course because they're kind of fighting over the same guy at this point and rachel is going to come in and uh say hi to the celibacy club yeah so throughout the season and throughout the series really there's going to be this uh reoccurring theme of uh the so-called crazy Quinn, where she begins to act very irrational. If she senses anything that will come into uh, come into opposition with the picture-perfect image that she has of the way that she wants to live her life. And her conversation with Rachel is definitely, you know, the first example of that. I mean, clearly, I mean, she was right. Her intuition was correct in that Rachel was listening to um, her and Finn's conversation about, like, why the hell are you joining Glee Club? Everybody thinks that you're gay right now. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, come on. Like, we're supposed to be the it couple of the school. And then she t- rounds on to Rachel, like, are you eavesdropping on us? <laughs> and Rachel's like, bitch, like, it's fine. Like, he's, you know, Finn is starting to find other things outside of, you know, football and you. And every day, Glee Club status is going up and yours is going down. So deal with it. And this is, you know, props to Rachel. Rachel's always had this kind of uh, this this confidence about herself, you know, whether it's uh, within the Glee Club, where obviously she feels like she should get all the solos or just walking around the hallway, talking to the head cheerleader, where you would think that somebody in this like archetype of the person that Rachel is uh, would be intimidated by a cheerleader, by a head cheerio. Uh, But she doesn't. She's there. She's not. She completely stands up for herself. She's like, you know what? I'm not uh, I'm not going to I'm not here to take your boyfriend. But the Glee Club is on the rise and you guys just have to deal with it and watch out. Uh, So like you said, yeah, she does turn around and get a slushy in the face to kind of remind us that even though Rachel feels that confident, uh, that's not how the rest of the school sees her. But she does sit in uh, on the celibacy club and she's kind of not happy. She's not feeling what's going on there. And it doesn't seem like many people are. Uh, Quinn's obviously running this with the entire Cheerio squad uh, by her side and they're all just kind of nodding and going along with everything she says while the guys are off in uh, another room and the you know, apparently they, they split up the time. They do like a half hour, just the guys and just the girls, and then they come together at the end and they do this uh, very strange exercise where they put a balloon between them and uh, they, what, uh, they're they like, oh, if the balloon pops, then uh, 
then then that's no good. Everybody gets pregnant if the balloon pops. Like I didn't understand the point. It's just this 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 for some strange reason feels even more sexual to me than if they were just dancing together. First of all, there was no music playing. So what the hell are you guys dancing to? And was the point of the mission to keep the the balloon in between the two of you but not popping just so you're just supposed to sit there and rub together because I, it just it made no sense to me. And why are there no chaperones? Like, if it's supposed to be the sell to be club, shouldn't it be overseen by an adult? Like, it just seemed very, very off off color to me. Who and would be the chaperone? I mean, nope. we, we've, we've met a couple teachers at this point. So assuming that they are the only four teachers in the school or the principal, who would be the chaperone? I mean, Emma Pillsbury seems like the perfect candidate, to be honest. But doesn't she, like, not want to touch anybody or touch anything or see anybody touching at all? Exactly, though. So I feel like she's the closest so you're right. thing that you could Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess, I guess no. So then you're 100% right about that, but this activity would not fly. Jacob Ben Israel is disgusting oh and revolting God. and trying to get us as close to Rachel as possible while they're doing this exercise. You got Finn, or excuse me, you got Puck and Santana. Just Puck just completely gyrating all over Santana. And Santana is surprisingly not about it. Um, and you, then you have uh, Finn and Quinn also trying to 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 be i guess the, the 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 perfect couple in this but finn pops the balloon much to quinn's chagrin and like you said uh when you pop the balloon you get pregnant so that's exactly uh you know put a post-it on that uh so this uh that's that's what's going on here and rachel is going to make a big uh proclamation at the end of this where she's like you know what i don't know what this is like i don't know what you guys are thinking uh but this is not the way to go like stats prove that Women want sex just as much as men do, but nobody wants to tell you about that. And then, of course, the second she storms out of the room, gross little Jacob Ben Israel turns around. And he's like, uh, is that true? Excited <laughs> about the idea that maybe it's not just him who wants that. Uh, so uh, she makes her stand on this. Obviously, Quinn is very upset about this. You know, all the guys in the room are kind of just left shook because maybe this is the first time they've ever heard a woman talk about sex like this or just say it out loud. Or maybe they're just, you know, they were hoping that somebody would say it eventually. And obviously, this cult behind Quinn here also known as the Cheerios, are all just backing her up completely. So it was a very big stand of Rachel to say that and, you know, big reactions coming. Yeah, I mean, honestly, growing up, I mean, even as late as high school, that is something that uh, I think that we're sort of taught, um, maybe not directly, but um, sort of just like, just the way that sex education was taught to me, at, at least, it did sort of like always paint men as the aggressors during sexual encounters and women sort of like as more demure types of people. Um, so it, it always did sort of like make it seem like men were the people that really, really wanted it, whereas women were the ones that were more composed. And composure doesn't mean that they don't want it. It just means that we live in this very, you know, patriarchal society where men are the ones that are seemed to, like that they are those are the people that are the doers. And not the people that are meant to sit back, sit back and let life happen to them. So it's a very apt analysis by Rachel, and it's it is something that I think a lot of high school students and middle school students don't necessarily think about. So absolutely, I mean, they they teach it to you in such it's it's first of all not only like are they trying to teach you like what it is and what you know what is going on uh, in terms of like the changes to your body and things that you might start to feel and things that you might start to want like it's a lot to take in i guess as i mean most of that stuff happens in middle school and these guys are obviously sophomores in high school at this point so they are a little bit more advanced in what they should have known by now or, or all that kind of stuff but uh but rachel is very much into this idea of uh you know what Everybody wants sex. Everybody wants to, to see it. Everybody wants to talk about it. So we're going to change our performance. Will, uh, you know, Mr. Shu is not letting us do what we want to do. And the only way around this is if we just take it upon ourselves to change up the, the performance we're going to do in the assembly here. And uh, she changes it to Push It, which the New Directions is going to perform much to the surprise of Will. <laughs> I think that throughout the season, this the, oh my god, I keep always combining the words series and season. Throughout the series, I think the uh, student assembly performances are always some of my favorites, uh, and including this one because this performance of Salt and Pepper's Push It. I mean, the choreo. I, I mean, if Rachel is responsible for this choreography, like Finn put her in charge last last episode, well then kudos to Finn because obviously Rachel. <laughs> 
Rachel knew what the hell she was doing. I mean, just from start to finish, the whole thing was hilarious. You got them all humping each other, like doing simulated versions of like fellatio and just all sorts of stuff. You got right on down to the very end of it where like Rachel pretty much mounts Finn and starts dry humping him in the air. And it's just like you got already like dipping his or no, you got Kurt like dipping his head in a Mercedes boobs and just like <laughs> Rachel is the one that is doing the rap and everything. It's just it's it's comical. And the look on Sue's or Sue's face on uh Santana's face, Emma's like so into it. You got freaking uh, Principal Figgins like tapping his foot offbeat, mind you, and also swaying from side to side offbeat, mind you, but clearly enjoying the performance. All the other kids seemingly not knowing what the hell is going on. But by the end of the entire performance, you get Jacob and Israel, of course, being the first one to stand up and screaming yes to uh, which manages for the entire auditorium to just erupt in thunderous applause. I love the entire thing. I loved it. Yes, uh, you loved it. I loved it. But uh, somebody who did not love it, it's uh, Principal Figgins is going to call a, a little meeting right in his office as soon as this is all over, where he's talking to uh, Sue Sylvester and Will Schuster, who, you know, Sue's obviously on Figgins' side here, where she's like, that is the most repulsive, uh, offensive thing that I have ever seen in my entire life. And Figgins is, uh, you know, agreeing. They've gotten how many calls from <laughs> from parents uh, complaining about what just happened. And Figgins is going to give uh, Will a new list of pre-approved songs that the New Directions can choose from in the future. And he's also going to take uh, part of the budget from Sue's Cheerios, which she uses for dry cleaning her uh, entire Cheerios outfits over in Europe. Uh, he says, you can uh, use one of the dry cleaners around here because we need to get the New Directions some better outfits, some more appropriate outfits. And Sue is pissed and Will is equally as pissed pretty much at Rachel, who he's going to run into in the hallway and just let it out on and say, listen, I know what, I know what you did. I know why you did it. And I get it, but I hate the way you did it. This is just, uh, you know, furthering the intense, not rivalry, but uh, just the tension, I guess, between Will and Rachel as both of them, you know, we flagged this up last episode. They they just have different visions for how this is going to go. Will really wants this to be almost an exact copy of how his Glee Club was back in 93. And he wants to do almost the same songs or exactly the same songs that they did back then and just recreate the magic that he felt when he was a young kid in his own Glee Club. Uh, and Rachel has this vision of, of uh, wanting to be the soloist and doing only the songs that she wants to to do and will has no interest in what rachel cares about uh, so there is tension here and it's just going to keep building i mean rachel is ambitious as hell like this girl she has a plan for her future she has a plan for her life and she has a plan for this glee club and she she on she obviously has a vision and, and this is like the beginning of when we're starting to realize just how ambitious she she is as a character because for her to make the executive decision behind mr shoes back to sit here and choose the song to uh, choreograph the number, to have them rehearse the number, and then to leave the number in their very first performance for the entire school. Like, this is a Rachel Berry production, and she will hear nothing to the contrary, even if it means going up against Mr. Shu. And this is, this is, this is, this is Rachel Berry. This is, this is what we're going to be dealing with for the rest of the season. And she'll learn when she oversteps and when to dial it back, but as of right now, she's she's still learning how to to, to to curb her enthusiasm. I love it. This is this is this is a huge reason why Rachel is one of my favorite characters because as flawed as she is, she's still very self assured, and there are very few things that she will allow to give her a setback, even if it means that she's you know at odds with somebody that's in power. Like she just she always finds a way to just get her point across. She acts like a child to get what she wants. But she acts like a child in like one of the most ambitious ways. It's it's insane. Absolutely. And she's got all this going on with, uh, you know, her ambitions and her dreams and everything that she wants to get done with the Glee Club. But as we've seen and as we've talked about, uh, you know, the this episode is called Showmance. Uh, there's still a lot going on trying to figure out what this situation is between her and Finn. And as she starts to realize that Finn is uh, there might be a spark there, but he still wants Quinn. He still wants to get in Quinn's pants. He still wants to be with her. Uh, and she's taking it not too great. Uh, she's going to end up in the bathroom at one point and Emma comes out of her stall and uh, she hears a noise coming from the bathroom, which sounds like somebody's in there throwing up. She goes to open the door and finds Rachel Berry leaning over the toilet. So uh, Rachel is uh, getting into a little bit of an unhealthy practice here, but it seems like this is the first and only time that it's happened and she doesn't plan to do it again. 
Well, no. So she's so she she is at the toilet, and Sue comes or Sue Emma comes up behind her like, what? So what are you doing? Are you throwing up? She's like, no. And then she's like, no. I, well, you missed the toilet. She's like, no. The girl that was throwing up before me left. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, which like Emma like clearly just like scoots past like so it's like there's some other girl that clearly is out here throwing up but you're you want to talk to the girl that is trying to throw up still which is sort of like sort of funny to me um and she like you know so like so what's going on like what are what's, what's leading you to do something like this like rachel's pretty honest he's like oh well, i really want this guy to notice me and i want to be thinner and i want to be i want to be prettier like that quinn girl and emma's like well i mean if if this person doesn't like you for who you are, then there really is no point. And Rachel's like, well, don't you ever feel like you just get so sad about that sometimes? You just want to, like, sing to yourself all alone. And, of course, like, Emma's like, nah. And, of course, Will is, like, outside the office the entire time catching her eye, which Rachel does notice, but I guess she just doesn't think too much of it. Um, And we get, like, a quick little glimpse of Emma in her car in the rain singing all by myself crying hysterically at the fact that Will is about to have a baby and getting married or is married to another woman. So um, we get to see a little a peek into into how Emma is handling her own romantic issues as well. Yeah, so this is like a perfect time to, to cross over into that part of the episode and, and those characters. So we have uh, Emma, who is very much still into Will, and you know she's just pretty much saved him from leaving his job and leaving the Glee Club behind in the last episode. And uh, you know now... Rachel's dealing with an issue where she's trying to get a boy that she's not sure likes her back and Emma's dealing with a boy that definitely can't like her back. He's married. Uh, so even if there is a little <laughs> bit of a spark there, there's not much that, that can be done there. Uh, they, we talked a little bit earlier about how Will and Terry are trying to get their, their life together and they want to move into a new house, but they need to get more money because they cannot afford this house because Terry wants every single part of the most expensive things that come with this house. Uh, so Will approaches Figgins and says, hey, would you mind if I took up a couple of extra shifts as uh, the janitor because Figgins was saying that they had to cut back the janitorial staff. Will says he would take a, a half salary pay cut. So of course that sounds great to Figgins who is all about any uh, nothing but the money and Will is going to get started working the nighttime shift as a janitor and he's while cleaning one of the tables one day is going to have Emma walk in on him who is very shocked to see him there. Yeah, Emma is going to walk in on him, and honestly, like Will, it seems like he probably has like a, a tall task ahead of him because the amount of slushies that get thrown in those hallways every day, you would think that he'd be, you know, up to his knees in like slushy juice. Um, but yeah, Emma walks in and asks him, like, "Oh, are you, are you, are you a janitor now? Like, what did you get fired? Like, what's what's going on?" And he explains the situation, like, "Hey, like." Terry really wants a new house with a grand foyer and a sunroof and a movie theater and a bowling alley and everything else. Um, so I'm picking up some extra shifts as the night janitor just to make some extra money on the side. And of course, Emma being a guidance counselor and being one of the least judgmental people, she says, you know, I, I admire the fact that you are willing to go to such a great length to get the things that you want for your family. And I want to help you out. So she's decided to stick around and help him. She's not much help, though, because she has OCD. So she's going to spend the entire night cleaning a pencil sharpener, <laughs> which, which he notices. And he's like, well, I mean, if you're helping me with my problem, I want to help you with yours. She's like, I don't have a problem. She, he's like, you just spent the past like 10 minutes on this pencil sharpener with a damn toothbrush what's going on and this is when we start to get a little bit of backstory about why emma has such a problem with cleanliness which i feel like changes from time to time throughout the series we get a few different stories about why i guess we're i guess we're just made to believe that all of these experiences in her childhood have led her to develop this ocd behavior uh, but she tells a story about how her brother pulled a prank on her when they were at a farm and pushed her into the runoff water um, at a dairy farm. And she's never been able to get over the smell. So now she just has a problem with mess. and She can't even consume dairy anymore either. Yeah. And so the two of them have a little bit of a moment here where there's, you know, the sparks are, are there, even though Will can't do anything about them or Will maybe won't even accept that they are there. Uh, but Emma's going to come up and she's like standing literally like a foot away from Will. And he puts this little like bit of, what is it? Like chalk, I guess he put puts on her nose. Chalk and, dust, yeah. Yeah. And she just lets it sit there. But like, you can tell like she is freaking the freak out. Uh, and he lets it sit there for, uh, he counts to 10 seconds and then he rubs it off and uh, you know, she, she's calm 
calm. She's not panicking. He's, you know, he's doing this to her, uh, not trying to be mean or anything. He's trying to help her with it. Uh, and she somehow survives those 10 seconds with chalk on her nose rather than completely, you know, freaking out and cleaning it off right away. So, uh, hey, a little bit of progress was made on both ends. She, she's talking him through or trying to help him out with what he needs help with, like you said, and uh, he's trying to help her out here. So, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely good friends, even if there's not anything that uh, can happen romantically between them right now. They are good friends, and they're happy to be helping each other out here while they're both going through uh, some tough times. But, I mean, this is Emma's whole life, so uh, she's going to need this kind of stability and this kind of person to be around her all the time. So, hey, maybe that can happen sometime in the future. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, that's not going to be the case. <laughs> and, and it turns out that she uh, she accepts a date with Ken Tanaka He's basically like, you need to stop going after the married guy. Uh, there's nothing that you can gain from this. I want to, I want to date you. I want to be with you. Uh, so give me a chance. And she sounds like she, she took him up on that offer because Will later on is going to try to get Emma to meet with her after school, I guess for, for some more help with, with cleaning. And Emma says that she can't because now she's going on a date with Ken. Okay, first of all, fuck Ken Tanaka. Like the fact that you you approach a woman that you are trying to date, that you are trying to woo, that you are trying to romantically entice and say to her, you could do a lot worse. I'm a man that puts up with your crazy. Fuck that. Like, so you're comparing your, when, when are you ever supposed to compare yourself to the worst? You should always be trying to shoot for the best. So that's not a good argument to make, especially to somebody like Emma, who of course could do a lot worse. Most of the things in Lima, Ohio are a lot worse. So you're not really setting yourself apart from anybody else. And the fact that you deal with her crazy, no, you don't. You manipulate her crazy. You just put your ha- your nasty ass licked up hands on her car door like a week ago. And you're talking about dealing with her crazy. So if that's what you're going to do because you can't even get a date, what are you going to do when she says no to something when you guys are already dating? Like, it just like, he's, I, I just, I despise, if, if anybody hasn't noticed, <laughs> I just despise his character to the utmost degree. And also, Emma, what the hell did you think was going to happen? You obviously were crushing seriously on this guy. You went to great lengths to find, you went into the McKinley High School archives to find a performance of Will from 1970 whenever, and you got him to stay because you like him romantically, no matter how many times you want to repress it. And then when he finally does stay, and then you're helping him clean up the uh the high school at all hours of the night and all of a sudden ken tanaka comes up with you with this comes up to you with its offer and then when will is like oh do you want to hang out again tonight you're like will what are we doing you're about to have a baby bitch you did this you did this this is what you wanted and now you're like playing hot and cold like i'm, I'm glad that you are i'm glad that you're trying to cut him off now because it is the right thing to do but you did this so i just like everybody's just like acting they're acting out their asses right now and it's sort of like you're you're how old are we how old are we? And we haven't, we haven't even gotten to the uh, worst behaving adult in this entire situation uh, who's going to end up being Terry back at home, uh, who finds out some uh, crazy news. You know, I guess we might as well just get to that now since we're, we're on the adults. Uh, Terry's going to find out some news when she gets to a doctor visit. Uh, she's, she's asking, you know, a bunch of questions about, uh, you know, is, is it a boy or is it a girl? And uh, the doctor informs her that there is no baby there. Um, and she freaks out. She, she has a line. Uh, did it fall out? It turns out that, like I said, she she does not have a baby and she returns home, uh, obviously very upset about this. But he, ba- the doctor basically told her uh, that she was having a hysterical pregnancy uh, and she could not bring herself to tell Will. She was just very upset about it. So she lied and said that they are having a boy when they have dinner that night. And, uh, you know, she wants to talk about their problems or talk about everything going on. And she says, you know what? I, I, I'm happy that we're having a boy. I'm happy I found out this news. And I, I don't even care anymore about getting that nice house. We can stay here uh, and you and I can just focus on us now. And, and let's just work towards this happy family. Yeah. So his, um, the doctor says that she has a hysterical pregnancy, which actually is a real thing. A lot of people, I remember um, having conversations with people that thought that it was just a thing on Glee. But no, that's an actual medical condition when you have like all these psychosomatic symptoms because of the fact that you you do want a baby so bad or it doesn't even have to be about you wanting a baby sometimes you just start um there are changes in your hormone system that start mocking the symptoms of a pregnancy it even it can even go so far as it that it uh crosses over to men with um a woman that's having a circle pregnancy they can also start mocking some of the uh the uh symptoms like uh messed up sleeping patterns weight gain uh up uh mood swings up and down just a lot of things so it's uh so a piece of me wondering like maybe (laughs) his or maybe her crazy is starting to like 
seep into Will's crazy because like both of them start to make like erratic decisions. So it's just like this woman is toxic. This woman is toxic, and the fact that you are going so, through great lengths, I, I never understood why when she comes home because it seems like when he comes home she you know makes some dinner and everything because she wants to let him down gently right like she wants to say to him hey i went to the doctor today and it turns out that i had a hysterical pregnancy i'm sorry there's no baby but when he's you know obviously he's coming off of the guilt of like sort of like having this little fling with emma and he's like you know what like i'm sorry i started i started to lose sight of what it is that i really I'm doing all of this for and it's you like I, I love you and we're about to have this baby and I want to make sure that I'm that I'm uh, providing a, 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 a beautiful household for this baby to grow up in. And then I guess that was all it took for Terry to be like, oh, my God, how am I going to how can I tell him now? Like, it's like, did you really think that Will was going to that all of that was going to go away if you said, oh, my goodness, by the way, I'm actually not pregnant like. It just it just never made any sense to me. Like, did you think that he was going to leave you because you're not pregnant? Because clearly he's already in love with you. He, he he's he's with you and you're, you're crazy and he hasn't left you yet. So just tell him now. Like, am I off base here? I, yeah. Terry obviously has a lot going on. Uh, she's trying. You know, all she wants is for Will to pay attention to her at home. And obviously, Will has this new adventure going on with the Glee Club where he's trying to recreate his dreams and have all of this uh, come to life. But, you know, Terry is only concerned about uh, giving about her giving about him giving her all the attention that she needs. And uh, little does she know that there's somebody at Will's job right now who is probably trying to take away all of the attention that he's giving her anyway, because she wants Will all to herself. Uh, but we haven't even gotten close to uh to cracking that open to you know exactly how how crazy that's going to get obviously there will be some more developments with that uh but for now uh you know Putting the adults aside, we do have a lot still going on with the Glee kids. Uh, you know, we mentioned earlier that they uh, at the celibacy club, the guys and the girls were split up, and uh, the guys have a conversation led by Jacob Ben Israel, where he talks about so uh, when you guys are, are with a girl, like how do you avoid you know uh, having the the volcano erupt too early? And Finn's like, yeah, uh, I don't have a problem with that. You know, all of them know that Finn uh, and Quinn are together and that they hook up a lot, but they're in celibacy club, so they know that they don't go all the way. But Finn is saying, well, uh, you know, I go as far as i need to and and we still have you know we still have a good time yeah and he's uh it's an empty brag because he actually does have a bit of an issue with holding things off he says that he's supposed to picture dead kittens but that doesn't quite work so what he does is recall a memory from when he was driving or learning how to drive from his mom so there it, we, the, the memory's pretty funny actually so his mom was like who says that you need a father figure to learn how to drive and he's like yeah like yeah the driving is a lot of fun and then as he takes his eyes off the road for a second to talk to his mom. And the next thing you know, he's running over the freaking mailman. And what I find so hysterical about this scene is that, like, his mom starts freaking out, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, like, oh my God, you killed him, you killed him. Like, what are you going to do? Like, completely ready to throw her son under the bus. Like, what are you going to do? Like, yeah. you just killed a man? Like... I mean, first, uh, to be fair, we, here. Don't, we don't know that he's dead. I mean, we, we definitely saw him get uh, pretty badly injured. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so I guess that's as good as anything to, to help you stop yourself when you get to that point. But it's so awkward uh, that this whole thing has to happen. And this is not going to be the first time that this comes up. Uh, but it does, I mean, it does come up later on in the episode because uh, after uh, Finn and Rachel are there in the auditorium together, I thought this whole thing was like a dream sequence at first. And then I realized that it was really happening. And uh, that was a weird realization, but they're just talking and, you know, we finally get these two together and alone. Uh, and Finn and Rachel are talking about how Finn, uh, Rachel makes Finn feel something that he doesn't know that he's ever felt before. Watching her perform and see, seeing her talent and all that stuff, it makes him happy. It makes him feel something, it, you know, he's he's really inspired and he's really into it. Uh, that's not something that he gets with Quinn, obviously. Rachel is, you know, appreciating that he that she's being appreciated in the first place. And they're just staring into each other's eyes. And Rachel says, uh, or, you know, if you want to kiss me, you can kiss me. And that's exactly what Finn is going to do. So it gets a little awkward from there. I love this scene because, I mean, it is the first time that we get to see the two of them alone and get to see them be, I mean, Rachel is unapologetically honest at all times. So we are, we sort of always know what she's thinking, but Finn is a different story. Like we're not, I'm not really, we're not really entirely sure how Finn feels about Rachel and he pretty much lets it all out and tells her like, uh, I listen to you sing and I feel something in my heart, you know, conveniently putting his hand on the right side of his chest. Um, which Rachel will then correct, being the 
know-it-all that she is. But it's very, it's very earnest scene from the both of them, and it's, um, you know, it's sort of like the primer for the rest of their relationship. But yeah, he does get a bit excited as he starts kissing her, and he uses the memory of almost killing the mailman to <laughs> stop himself. But before he goes, he tells Rachel not to tell anyone about this. And I think that he's talking about the fact that he has a boner right now because he thinks that's what she can see, but she takes it as, don't tell anybody about me kissing you because if you do, then we're going to be like... I'm going to be so embarrassed about it, which makes her feel horrible because now she's sitting there left alone like she's not worth anything. So it's a bit of a cognitive dissonance between the two of them, um, which is going to lead to a bunch of other problems. But Rachel's intuition was correct in that there was a spark between the two of them and it might be something different from what Quinn and Finn have. So she's sinking her claws in like, it's a very it's a very interesting juxtaposition between Finn and Quinn and Terry and Will with Emma and Rachel. Yeah, so. for sure. Um, and I see what you said just now. I agree with you. But funny enough, I was going to the uh, Wikipedia page to read the plot description for this episode. And they the, uh, the description there says that after they kiss, uh, that Finn experiences a premature ejaculation. So I thought what you thought that he just got a boner. But did something more happen there? Maybe. I mean, he does, he does like try and cover up his jeans. So maybe there is some ejaculate there. I always just thought it was just a boner because that's what I thought. And then I read this. I was like, that that whole thing just happened in episode two of this show. Are you sure? Yeah. And it was just a kiss for like two seconds. Like, really? Like, but I guess if he's being, you know, blue balled by Quinn over and over and over again, eventually it's going to happen. So. Yeah, but like this is the same exact thing. Like him and Quinn, he says that the two of them make out and grind all the time, and he just was literally kissing Rachel for like five seconds. And so, whatever, uh, your boat indeed. whatever happened there, uh, something happened. And then, uh, you know, obviously he's upset about the fact that he let this happen because he's still dating Quinn, uh, or he's just, you know, conflicted. So he goes back to Quinn, and Rachel sees them back in the hallway together, and she's obviously not very happy with this. Uh, she ends up back in the choir room, and Will uh, reunites with her in the choir room to just kind of talk about everything that has just happened and he's basically apologizing and saying listen uh you know both of us need to give a little bit here because we're not both going to get what we want i need to learn that you need to learn that uh so you're right i should have let you guys do a different song uh, but you're not always going to get the solo and you need to be okay and understand that but what i can promise you is that you will always uh have fun as long as you know i have any say in it i will make sure that you're always having a good time and she's you know, she's reluctantly, I guess, okay with this answer from him. You know, it's not what she wants. She wants to hear uh, that you're going to have the solos all the time and this is all about you. She asks him and says, uh, can I use the auditorium to rehearse a little bit after school? Uh, my, what did she say? She said that the neighbors uh, have a restraining order or something against they're her. Filing uh, they're filing a lawsuit against her. They're filing a lawsuit because uh, I guess she's way too loud at her house and people are getting annoyed about that, which is very funny. Um, so she's going to hit the auditorium and with backup singers, Mercedes and T. We're going to get Rachel singing Take a Bow. So which this is not one of my favorite performances by Rachel. I think I think in the beginning of the series at least. I mean Leah Michelle is a Broadway trained actress. That's all she knows. It's Broadway, 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 Broadway. So she her voice is very much in tune with uh, you know, standard Broadway musicals. Pop, not so much. So while she'll never sound bad, while she'll always be on pitch and on key and everything. Just the vocal inflections that I think you need to carry a pop ballad were just not there for me for this song. The song sort of felt very stale to me. But, yeah, she sounded amazing. And she had Quinn and, excuse me, she had Mercedes and Tina singing backup for her, which I was surprised Mercedes was willing to do that because we know Mercedes is not no backup bitch. But Mm -hmm. I guess for the sake of this whole, you know, dream sequence type deal going on with Rachel, uh, I guess it makes sense. But this is like the first, you know, you know, hysterical, over-the-top, dramatic breakdown that we're getting from Rachel that she has to feel the need to burst out into song because she's not getting the solos and she's not getting the man. And I, I did think this performance was good. Um, I uh, I totally take your point. I just, uh, maybe it's just because this is like one of the songs that I was, I loved the song at the time and uh, the fact that they were covering it on Glee. I, you know, obviously had this on my iPod as soon as it was available on iTunes. Uh, like you said in the preview podcast, Fox has all my money because I spent uh, every penny that I had uh, back in high school on getting all of these songs. Every single iTunes card went to uh, buying them. But yeah, so Rachel is, you know, she, she besides the fact that 
that like she's not getting you know she feels like she's not getting all the solos which was even made further in this episode we really uh, only touched on it a little bit but Quinn and uh, the Cheerios or the Unholy Trinity uh, came to audition for the Glee Club and Will obviously liked it he actually ended up giving Rachel solo in Don't Stop Believing which they were gonna uh, keep in their set list and he gave that solo to Quinn and said that Quinn's gonna do that so now Quinn has a solo that Rachel wanted so Quinn has the man and the solo and uh, the emotion comes out in Rachel here which is for the first time we see her you know really express herself on on how she's feeling and uh, many 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 more Rachel solos like this to come yes so I guess this is the part where I feel like I've kind of (laughs) made it a little bit obvious I need to stop doing that so much Uh, but here's the part where I'm going to ask you or I guess predict what your favorite song is throughout the episode so we got Gold Digger we got Push It we got I Say a Little Prayer and we got Take a Bow and I'm going to guess that your favorite is I Say a Little Prayer uh, it is not. I mean, it should be because I, wow. I, I mean, I of course love the unholy Trinity and the fact that this is like their debut number. Um, it's a little forgettable to me, uh, just because it happens so quick. Like it's probably like a minute long that they're performing this song. Uh, it's the first time we get a chance to hear Quinn sing, which is great. Uh, but it's just, it's so quick. And it's like I said, a, a song that I don't even know. So no, it's my, my favorite song is, is definitely take a bow that Rachel does at the end. And, uh, I don't know. If, I mean, I know you said you didn't like it, but I feel like I would have guessed that that's your favorite song of these. No, you, you might've been into push it. That was, <laughs> that, that was probably so ridiculous. It's right up your alley. Yes, it was push it. <laughs> I need to stop being so uh, enthusiastic about the numbers that I like going forward. And I'm going to be a little bit more neutral in the commentary. So it's not as obvious. But yeah, push it. Push it took the cake for me this episode just because of the outrageous choreography and just like Rachel's just like unabashed, just like attitude the entire time. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Fair enough. And uh, as for the gold stars that we give out this episode, have you thought about yet who uh, your gold star is going to go to? I am going to give my gold star to Miss Sue Sylvester because she is coming into her own. She is becoming the villain that we all know and love. And I love everything about that. I mean, the quote at the end of I just love the fact that they were all sitting in silence, like Figgins, Sue and Mr. Shoe after that performance. And she's like. Let me be the one to break the silence. That is the most offensive thing that I've seen in my 20 years of teaching, and that includes an elementary school production of Hair. <laughs> like, I mean, I just, love, I just love Sue Sylvester. I love her so much. A scene that we didn't get a chance to talk about just yet, but we definitely should highlight before we get out of here is uh, Sue and uh, they're in uh, Principal Figgins' office and Sue, it looks like a very serious meeting. You know, Finn and uh, Rachel are sitting there in the two chairs in front of Figgins and it looks like they got caught doing something really bad that they should not have been doing. Uh, and we're all sitting there wondering like, oh, did they, did they, were they like doing it? Like, were they caught like making out behind the bleachers or something? Like what, what happened? And nope, just the big tragedy here is that the two of them were making photocopies of the advertisement to Join the Glee Club, and they were using the Cheerios photocopier, and Sue had a meltdown. Uh, so they result, uh, they resolve that by having uh, Finn and Rachel are going to pay back Sue for the seventeen photocopies that they made. And I mean, this scene uh, when I was watching it, I was like, "Why is this happening?" But then it kind of clicked, and I was like, "Well, they they need to highlight Sue. They need to show us exactly how crazy Sue Sylvester is." And uh, this was like a perfect little moment to to help us understand her. Yes, I love when like uh, Mr. Shu was like, "Hold on, now, Sue. Like, I, I won't hold on to anything. Will I'm not going to be treated as a second class citizen because of my gender? It's just like, who comes up with this stuff? Like, it's just, it's just <laughs> outlandish, but like perfectly succinct at the same time. She always gets her point across in the most." in the most like crazy ways and i i love it i just love it yeah so go it's start so hard to like it, it's hard to like be a sue sylvester stan because of how like bad she's going to get at certain times like there are so many things that she does that are just unjustifiable and even if you appreciate her in moments like this it's like there are plenty of times where you just can't forgive her for the things that she says or does but in moments like this it's like she's just being so ridiculous that like my sue stan card is gonna fly high so uh i i like that gold star 
Um, <laughs> and then my own gold star for this episode is uh, somebody who has not gotten one just yet. It, uh, it's only the second episode, but uh, surprised that she didn't find her way into a gold star uh, in the first episode. Uh, Rachel Berry is going to get my gold star here as she is, you know, she stood up to the to the celibacy club and, you know, made her opinions known. And there were seemingly other people in there who were on board with what she had to say. And she just kind of has been taking matters into her own hands. She's confident. Uh, she stood up to Quinn in the hallway and, you know, she's not letting anyone tear her down uh you know she's having some trouble getting into uh you know the way that she wants things to go here but she'll work through that and for now i think she deserves my gold star for this episode all right second episode in a row we both got somebody different Yes, I like uh, it. I I'm like sure it. that won't go on forever, but it is going to be the case for now. And for my slushy rating for this episode, uh, out of five slushies, how many times would I slushy this episode? Um, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was, you know, anything spectacular. I think I would probably give it two slushies no that's too much uh, I, I can't be that mean right off the bat maybe like one and a half uh, i thought the pilot was better um i thought that this did well to further some of those storylines but i don't know i still feel like like or, or maybe it's just that i'm waiting for more like musical performances and we're not getting as many right now because we're still getting a lot of plot uh so i guess i would give it one and a half slushies i actually enjoy this episode more than the pilot just because the storyline became a little bit more focused and we uh we and even when we did get some new characters they it wasn't sort of overbearing like with the addition of Santana and Brittany or well, more so Brittany it wasn't like you know I had to sit there and learn a bunch about Brittany I just felt like everything was a little bit more succinct and of course that comes with you know having more episodes over time everything's going to you know fall into place but it just it made the viewing experience just a little bit better for me um but I gave the pilot episode one slushy, so I guess if I enjoyed this one better, then I guess I'm going to give this one a half a slushy. I mean, I guess I throw one slushy at it and only half of it makes it on it. So, yeah, half a slushy. All right, so half slushy from you, uh, one and a half from me, but we have many more episodes to go. So do you have anything else before we get out of here? No, other than that, I am ready to see uh, Kurt come into his own because I am desperately... Uh, Desperately wanting some some gay storylines here. Yes, so that is coming up. Um, I also noticed when one more thing. Uh, I was on the Wikipedia page, like I said, and the uh, there's a picture in the the tab or the part of the page that says you know the reception for the episode, uh, and there's a picture of Matthew Morrison there, and it says Morrison uh, Morrison's performance of Gold Digger was well received by critics. <laughs> Take that for what you will. It sounds it like people really enjoyed it at the time. Uh, Who but, were the critics? Who the fuck were the critics? So we'll we'll uh, work through Will's performance performances and all that stuff in the future but until next time see you at sectionals baby Woo!